Hi, I'm Stephanie Lemek, and this is Building Trauma-Informed Workplaces. Welcome to our second episode of Building Trauma-Informed Workplaces. Today, we're going to dive more deeply into the first principle of trauma-informed workplace cultures, holistic safety. As a quick content warning, while we won't go into too much detail, we will be making references to acts of violence and natural disasters. So please be aware and make sure to prioritize your own mental health first and foremost. So let's go ahead and dive right in. When we talk about safety as it relates to creating trauma-informed cultures, we're talking about the concept of holistic safety. More likely than not, you've talked about safety at work before. And depending on what type of industry or job you have, the way you talk about safety is probably pretty different depending on what you do. The thing is, safety is really a three-legged stool. And so often, organizations, leaders, and individuals are only focused on one or two of those three legs of safety or holistic safety. So what makes up holistic safety? So like I said, it's that three-legged stool. So we have three legs that hold up that foundational holistic safety, which is how we build trauma-informed organizations. That stool is how we build the foundation for trauma-informed organizations. So those three legs are physical safety, which includes occupational safety, and safety, security, emergency preparedness and response. We have psychological safety. This is a term that's much more frequently talked about than it has been in the past. And the idea that people who are part of a team or a group have a feeling that it's okay to take risk, to express their genuine ideas, concerns, speak up with questions, admit to mistake, all without fear of negative consequences. Really think about it as a felt permission for candor. And then finally, the last leg of the stool is financial safety. Financial safety is exactly what it sounds like. You feel financially secure enough in your life to feel safe. And there are short-term aspects of financial safety and also long-term thoughts and impacts. Without any single leg of the stool, those of you familiar with stools, so most of us, a three-legged stool, you're missing one leg, the stool doesn't work. It doesn't provide that stability, that support. And even if one of those legs is a little less secure than the other, the overall effect of safety is not as powerful and impactful. So I love this analogy of the three-legged stool for safety because really these three aspects of safety very important each alone and stand alone in their own way, but they also work together to build something much stronger, much more stable to build trauma-informed cultures on. So let's spend a little bit of time and dive in in more detail to each of the legs of our safety stool. And the first one is physical safety. And this is probably what most of us think about when we think about safety actually thinking about our physical protection. So physical safety refers to protection 
from the threat of physical harm, either from conducting your work, violence, or other disasters. So think of it when we talk about physical safety, keeping your physical body safe and secure. A big piece of physical safety, especially when we talk about the workplace, is going to be occupational safety. And this is really going to come into play when you think about industries where there is significant workplace risk. So construction, manufacturing, even first responders. Occupational safety is really key. Really, occupational safety is important to any role. And when you think of occupational safety, you might think of OSHA, the federal organization that oversees compliance with standards around safety in doing and performing your job. Occupational safety goes far beyond that, especially when we think about it in terms of a trauma-informed culture. To ensure occupational safety, proper training tools and equipment are important. It's vital that these are available, readily available for all members of a team. So they're able to perform the core functions of their job without fear or threat of injury. There's a lot of roles. There's a wide scope of roles that are performed in workplace settings. And so for this reason, occupational safety has a very broad scope. At its core, every employee should have everything they need to perform their work safely for themselves and those around them. Requirements to meet both compliance for occupational safety standards and meet the needs of your team can vary widely by industry and organization. So this is where I am going to very strongly encourage you if you are concerned about specific occupational safety needs and requirements for your industry, for your team, leverage the support of an expert. There are so many amazing experts in the field of occupational safety, specific safety experts in different industries, different organizations. Your company may even have safety professionals on staff, which is a phenomenal resource. So make sure and leverage those professionals to fully understand the requirements and also the needs. What beyond requirements? We want to go beyond that and ensure our team members are fully equipped to complete their role safely. You can also learn more by checking out the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health or the Occupational Safety and Health Organization, OSHA, and find out more information. That's a lot of information. Um, so make sure you're leveraging a safety professional who's you know dedicated their career to ensuring folks have the tools, training they need to perform their job safety safely. So once we go beyond occupational safety, being able to know we have everything we need to perform our job safely, we want to also look at the site of physical safety that is a little less directly job-related, but still certainly tied into physical safety as it relates to the workplace. And that's emergency preparedness, response, and security. And the truth of the matter is, there has always been an element of this physical safety, security, response that should be part of workplace safety and security. However, it has become even more important in our current environment where there are increasing 
issues of workplace violence, terroristic threats, and shootings. Um, it's an unfortunate reality of the world we live in, but having preparation and response is so important around this, especially when we think about potential trauma our team members, our peers, our friends and family may be carrying with them because of prior experiences with public acts of violence. Um, even when we think about, you know, Gen Z entering the workforce, a lot of Gen Z experienced a childhood where they participated in drills for what would happen if there were to be an active shooter in their school. This is a sad reality, an unfortunate reality, but it also is the reality of what many people have faced. And when we look at building trauma-informed workplaces, we are seeking to make sure that we're acknowledging and understanding the impacts of trauma, and we are also actively seeking to avoid re-traumatizing or creating new trauma for survivors. So, so, so important. Because this issue is so pervasive in our culture that organizations are prepared and understand the pressing issues as it relates to security, emergency preparedness, and response. Along with this is also issues as they relate to natural disasters. I don't think you or I can turn on the news um, on any given week and avoid seeing an occurrence of a natural disaster. Natural disasters certainly have physical impacts to office spaces and buildings, have impacts to homes and communities that your team members are living and working in. So these are things that are foundational. When we think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we just think about who we are as people, as it is so important for those initial safety needs to be met because if they aren't, there's not much else we can think about. There's not much else we can consider because naturally we are built to find ways to ensure our own safety first. And so this becomes so important. And for those of us who get a little bit more um, educated and depth on the impacts of trauma and how trauma reshapes the brain and reshapes natural responses to threats in the environment or perceived threats, these feelings of unsafe environments can really have visceral effects on individuals who have previously experienced trauma in their lives. I also think it's important to acknowledge that because we see news as it relates to the prevalence of violence in our communities and the prevalence of natural disasters, even without individual trauma being related to those issues, those things can create anxiety and other triggering feelings in your teams as well, even if they haven't been previously directly impacted. So these are things that are tough for folks to think about. And it is in the background of our lives every day is whether or not we are physically safe. So emergency preparedness, response, and security is key in your organization as well when you're addressing physical safety. And preparation and planning here are key. We always hope 
that we will never face these issues. But, you know, to use our common colloquialism, hope is not a strategy. You know what is? Preparation. Make sure you have plans that are updated, clear, and accessible for your team, and everyone understands their role in a potential response to an issue. One thing to think of here is, I don't know if this has ever come up for you, but I remember early in my career, I worked in a large office building in an HR role, and we had a fire team or fire squad. And there was two people kind of identified on each floor that would help understand how to help navigate and get folks out of the building safely. Um, So something like that is you know, a good example of preparation, planning, people knowing how they fit in to a specific plan. Of course, there's a variety of different plans and responses you may use. Another huge shout out to leveraging very well-trained, specialized professionals who can help you think through emergency preparedness, response, and security specifically as well. It's also really important to consider making sure we have a balance here too around communication. So a caution here to think about when we talk about this aspect of physical safety. And I mean, even I I would say this even comes into play in occupational safety as well, is that we don't want to create a scenario where the plan or reminders of the plan, or reminders of a potential threat kind of overwhelm the team with the idea of a constant threat. Um, So it it can really be a delicate balance that a constant reminder of a threat can in itself be very triggering. Um, I can't remember exactly who to attribute this to, but there was a principal who there had been an issue of school violence. And one of the things they did when they worked through a plan to better secure the school was to lock all the windows and doors and kind of shut everything down. And this principal really pushed back because all of those locked windows and doors very clearly acted as a reminder of that violence, of that potential threat. So it's really a delicate balance here of how do you mitigate risk? How do you prepare potentially for the worst, but at the same time, not psychologically burden your team with the thought of an impending threat? So the delicate balance there, again, this is a perfect place to leverage those experts who can help you design plans where you really can significantly mitigate risk protect your team, but also at the same time, keep the right people informed at the right levels to not create unnecessary anxiety or or potentially trigger any survivors you have within your organization. Next, let's talk a little bit about psychological safety. This is our second leg of the safety stool that we have. And oh my goodness, Psychological safety is the sexy thing to talk about when we talk about teams and organizations. And you know what? It's great. It is great we are talking more about psychological safety because it is so important. It is so vital. And 
like we said at the beginning of the podcast, psychological safety is the feeling or belief that you will not be punished or humiliated for speaking up with questions, ideas, concerns, and opinions in any group you're proud of. And what's really amazing is the study of psychological safety has really taken off within recent years. Um, especially as attributed to leading psychological safety researcher, Amy Edmondson. And if you have not read her book, The Fearless Organization, strongly recommend it. It is one of the best books out there as it relates to psychological safety in the workplace. And she does a fantastic job showcasing the link between psychological safety and high performance through years of research. And it's actually just a delightful and interesting story how she kind of stumbled onto this overlap of how psychological safety drives performance among teams. If you're not a reader, and that's perfectly okay, um, or maybe you are more, more interested in perhaps some tech research or the tech environment, Google has some amazing work that they've recently done as well around how to build the perfect team. And it is showcased in their research. And one of the biggest indicators they've shown in their research is, you know, how to build the perfect team is really those teams that have a strong sense of psychological safety. And that is that work is done through Project Aristotle at Google. And what's so cool is there are a lot of great resources that you can grab from that um, project from Google directly and leverage those in your own work to deliberately start to take action to build psychological safety in your organization. And you may be thinking, I am amazing as a leader at building psychological safety, but I've got some bad news for you. McKinsey report that came out in February of 2021 and subsequent reports also showcase these clear disparities in numbers between leaders' thoughts of their creating psychological safety the actual perception of employees of whether or not the team is psychologically safe. And the difference is pretty stark. Only 26% of leaders create psychological safety for their teams. If that is the thing that we're finding is so directly tied into creating amazing teamwork, amazing collaboration, high-level performance. And oh, by the way, it is one of the key aspects of creating the foundational safety necessary to build a trauma-informed workplace. We have a lot of work to do as it relates to building and creating psychological safety in the workplace. That's probably great. You're like, very cool, Stephanie. So how can teams and organizations actually go about creating psychological safety? The first and best thing any organization can do to start here is really investing in leadership and management training at all levels of the organization that prioritizes those leadership skills and traits that are most closely tied to creating psychological safety. That is emotional intelligence, 
situational awareness, consultative leadership, cultural awareness. Some of those things we frequently think about as soft skills. But if you think about it, and I am a, a former Gallup employee, so this kind of lives in my heart um, and has for my entire career, managers have the biggest impact on how employees experience the workplace. So when we are looking at building psychological safety on our teams by creating and empowering leaders that are able to build psychological safety and giving them those tools, we are going to have the most significant impact by starting there first. Because think about it, psychological safety naturally exists at the group level or team level. So those leadership behaviors within that team or group level are going to be key in fostering that within their group and then also working together and fostering that through your organization. And like I mentioned earlier, if you want to leverage some of the tools Google has created. There's a bunch of an amazing information, and I will share a link to tools to foster psychological safety from the team at Google um, in the podcast notes. One thing to also consider, and this is again from Amy Edmondson, is how to measure your team's level of psychological safety. And the way to do that is by asking team members how strongly they agree or disagree with these statements. And these can be done in conversation, in a survey, um, however makes sense for you. Or maybe even as a place to start, just consider how you think your team may answer this as a leader. But remember that disparity statistic we talked about earlier, you may not actually know how your team is feeling as it relates to psychological safety. And that's okay. That's most leaders do not have that same direct connection. So that's why conversations and understanding and discussion with your team is so important. So these seven questions, we want to ask team members to understand how psychological safety is looking on your team currently from agree strongly to disagree strongly. Here they are. One, if you make a mistake on this team, it is often held against you. Number two, members of this team are able to bring up problems and tough issues. Number three, people on this team sometimes reject others for being different. Number four, it is safe to take a risk on this team. Number five, it is difficult to ask other members of this team for help. Number six, no one on this team would deliberately act in a way that undermines my efforts. And number seven, working with members on this team, my unique skills and talents are valued and utilized. Psychological safety is so important. And I love that it's hot topic because there's so much more information and so many more resources available to organizations and leaders on how to drive this and how to create this. So really focusing here and building on physical safety and creating psychological safety is so important. And let's talk about how physical and psychological safety can work together. If 
you are in a psychologically safe environment and you witness an unsafe act, you feel empowered to stop work and prevent an injury from happening to make sure that physical safety is secure for everyone on your team. And that is partially empowered by the creation of psychological safety. Our third and final aspect of holistic safety is financial safety. This might be one you're a little surprised to think about as part of our holistic safety stool, but financial safety really is truly so important, so vital. And to really drive home the importance, think about the last time you had a significant or major financial worry. How much did that worry affect you, both personally and professionally, even in terms of it being a distraction? Chances are it impacted you quite a bit. So imagine the impacts of ongoing financial insecurity or even just a single event where your financial safety is compromised and how much that may impact your overall feelings of well-being and even your feelings around your own physical or psychological safety as well, because that is connected. When you think about financial insecurity or challenges with financial stability, that might be debt, that might be challenges related to increased cost of living, a lack of a livable wage, losing income, or even a specific event could be an issue of a financial loss or an unexpected expense or emergency, or even an issue of credit card fraud or potentially a financial scam. Despite not being the most popular topic when it comes to safety for organizations, many organizations actually do a really excellent job addressing financial safety for their employees. Many provide a livable wage. Many provide cost of living increases and annual increases to wages. Many address long-term financial safety with retirement benefits or also offer savings as it relates to medical benefits, childcare benefits, additional reimbursements that are available for employees. Some even provide budgeting services. And actually, one of my favorite organizations I learned about this year is called North Star, and it partners with organizations to help drive financial security and financial independence at every level of an organization. So they help folks plan for big expenses, plan for retirement, and also help people budget. So I spoke to a representative there and they told me about helping someone budget when they first started their first job out of college, helping them budget to buy a couch. So financial safety really encompasses a variety of different experience and it impacts us all regardless of our financial situation. That said, while there are many organizations doing a great job here, there are also a lot of organizations that are not providing adequate supports when it comes to financial safety and to varying degrees. Those individuals may be employees working in lower wage jobs, perhaps even jobs that are not paying a livable wage. And those are the folks who often need the support 
the most, who are often the most vulnerable to the impacts of financial insecurity or a lack of financial safety. So when we think about financial safety, some non-negotiables, when you're thinking about creating a trauma-informed culture, are those livable wages, paid time off, sick leave, short-term and long-term disability. Those are baseline offerings organizations can provide and provide for in the moment to create financial safety and security. Also, retirement savings, planning, identity protection, financial planning support, also hugely impactful as well. Think about how much of our lives, our livelihood, our feelings of safety and security really is tied to financial aspects. Um, To draw a perhaps uncomfortable comparison, when you look at issues of domestic violence, one thing that is often talked about because it's often overlooked is issues of financial abuse, where a lack of control or flexibility or access to funds creates that issue of lack of financial security and can create a scenario where someone who is experiencing domestic violence is trapped in a situation that is unsafe for them. So finances and financial safety are such a key and important part of this tool that it's vital that we not overlook it. We've talked about all three aspects of safety when we think about holistic safety for trauma-informed workplaces. And really, we all need to prioritize these three physical safety, psychological safety, and financial safety to ensure everyone on our team has the ability to know they're safe, to have that basic need met so they're able to then put their best self forward and bring their best self to work instead of being focused on how they can ensure their safety in this biological response that is so vital to our survival, but also to this biological response is absolutely impacted by trauma. Thank you so much for your time. Delighted to have you joining us for this podcast. I hope you join us for our next podcast. I'm Stephanie Lemick. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, be well.